0: Let's go to Genesis 15 today, and we want to continue with this that we have been looking at, a covenant of blood. And uh, there's some things that we say at the beginning of, we've said at the beginning of every one of these messages, and I'm not trying to be redundant as much as I am. Uh, My pastor taught me years ago that uh, teaching is the repetition of a truth. And what you don't repeat, people don't retain. Amen. Glory to God. You know, the reason why uh, I don't retain algebraic equations is, number one, I didn't listen. I didn't care about math. I thought, this is a waste. (laughs) Now, whether it was or not is up for debate. But uh, I didn't spend any time on it. I did enough to pass. Just get me out of this class. Anybody else have those classes that you went in there and your brain cramped? Oh, And just get me out of this class. Hallelujah! Now, whether you believe it or not, sometimes when you hear me speak, I loved English. English was just my class. I I loved it. I had an English teacher. I won't tell you her name, but uh, uh, it was Mrs. Butt. That was her name. I'm, I'm serious. That was her name was Mrs. Butt. She had. She married Mr. Butt. I'm not lying. I, that that was I, when I when I went in there and and she wrote her name on the board. I'm like, this is this has got to be a joke, but it wasn't. Amen. But I loved her class. She she had a funny name, but she could teach English well. And uh, <laughs> hallelujah. But I didn't mind being repetitive there, and I retained it. Teaching is the repetition of a truth, and so. We've been saying this, that I have to always remember, number one, that I have a covenant. Say that out loud. I have a covenant. See, I have a covenant right now, presently. All right, we don't talk of the covenant in the past. And I, and I taught a couple of Sundays ago that I will hear ministers say, well, you know, under, under the old covenant, the old covenant has passed away. No, it's not. The law has passed away, not the covenant. Because the the, the covenant was 430 years before the law. And so the covenant is still in place. So I have a covenant. Presently, right now, I have a covenant. Number two, the Bible is a covenant book sealed with blood on both ends. The blood of bulls and goats in the Old Testament, the blood of Jesus Christ in the New Covenant. Or the Second Covenant, however you want to say it. But the Bible is a covenant book. John 17, 17 says the word is truth. Psalm 119, verse 130, I believe it is, says David said this, or the psalmist said this, uh, all your precepts concerning all things I consider to be right. All right? So the Bible is truth. Now, the Bible does not become truth. It is truth. Amen. That's why it's a covenant book. When God says something, it's truth. Because God cannot lie. Titus 1, 2, In hope of eternal life, whom God that cannot lie Promise. See, God cannot lie. That that makes your receiving so much easier. How well could you receive from a natural person who could not lie? Ever what they told you, they can't lie. Well, I'm going to receive from God on a higher level because I know He cannot lie, and this is not just a book; it's a covenant book, and. Every word in it is truth and God swore it and he bound himself to it. That's why he said in Isaiah fifty-five eleven. he said, just like the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and waters the earth and causes it to bring forth and bud, he said, in the same way, my word is like that. It will not return to me empty. It will not return to me useless. It will not return to me without accomplishing the thing that I sent it to do. And it will prosper in that arena not only will it do it it will prosper that's what god said about his word the word of god is fail proof amen what god said god's bound to now there are people that will say well i you know i did that and it didn't work impossible impossible Mm -mm. yeah but you don't know it doesn't matter i don't care who you know I don't care what you dealt with. I don't care what you went through. That's impossible. You cannot work the word and the word not work. Yeah, but. No, there's no but. You cannot. God said, my word will not return to me void. See, that, see do you believe God or not? Because if you believe God, that question doesn't come into your mind. I heard a minister one time say that preachers like me put people under bondage. Because we taught people there's nothing wrong with the Word and there's nothing wrong with God, so it must be me. And you make people think bad of themselves. Well, do you want help or not? Do you want to overcome or not? Yes. You've got to quit blaming God and quit blaming the Word and put the emphasis on the one imperfect person in that equation, which is me. Yeah. God can't miss it. His Word can't miss it. I can miss it. Amen. God cannot doubt. God cannot doubt. Did did you hear me? God can't doubt. God has no doubt. When he says something, he full well expects it to happen. And he binds himself to that. Everything God promised you is in the book. You can find where he promised it to you. So God puts himself out there and says, I'm going to do this. And then he says, oh, and by the way, I can't lie. And my word is forever settled in heaven. What does that mean? There's a record of everything God said in heaven, and it's settled. Amen. So I, I have to believe that concerning the word. And then I have to know a covenant mindset's a requirement for strong faith. That, that has to be my mindset. God cannot lie. God cannot change. He said in Malachi 3.6, I am the Lord and I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. He said in Numbers 23.19, he said, God is not a man that he should lie. In other words, he's he's setting the bar there. I'm not like men. I can't lie. God is not a man that he should lie. He's not the son of man that he should repent for lying. Has he said it? Shall he not do it? Now, see, the answer there is emphatic yes. If God said it, He'll do it. Everything God has promised you, God wants to do it and will do it and has plans to do it. Everything that God promised you about your life, according to Ephesians 2.10, the Bible says that those plans, those pathways, those paths were prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. Before the world ever was, the earth ever was, the universe ever was, God knew when you were going to be born and He set things in motion for you to live the good life. Do you understand? And He's he's tied to that by His Word. Because if He said it, He can't lie. That's why we say, what is our part? Our part to the covenant is faith and obedience. I believe what God said, and I obey what God said. Those two things are inextricable. Faith and obedience. You've got to believe God and obey God. There are people that try to believe God and don't obey God. That won't work. And then there are people that try to obey God and don't believe God. That won't work. It takes faith and obedience. When you sowed today, you were obedient to sow, but I hope you attached your faith to it. Because if you didn't attach your faith to it, you just donated. Thank you, but you just donated. There's, there's, no, there's no harvest coming back because I don't believe in what the seed can do. I got to put my faith in it. Oh, hallelujah. So the Bible is a covenant book, cereal with blood on both ends. A covenant mindset is a requirement for a strong faith. I remember when the Lord started showing me this years ago, well over, almost 30 years ago. And uh, uh, I begin to get see this covenant mindset. And everybody's not like me, but when I close my eyes, when I'm believing God and I close my eyes, I see God standing in covenant blood with his hand raised, his right hand saying, I swear. That's it. Because he told Abraham in Genesis 22, he said, because you have obeyed me, what's our part of the covenant, faith and obedience, because you have obeyed me and have not withheld your son, your only son, I have sworn by myself. When you obey and you do what God told you to do, God has sworn that he'll do what he said he would do. Oh, glory to God. See, so that takes the risk out of it. Glory to God! We're going to get Genesis fifteen. Just hang on with me, Amen. I, I've seen that over the years. I, I've seen people talk about how doing what God wants them to do is such a risk. You, you doing what God wants you to do is a risk. I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. I have, I that doesn't make sense to me. Amen. I, I remember the first time. The first time. God asked us to leave everything and go do what he wanted us to do. It it seemed like the most challenging thing in the world because we're stepping out and we're doing what God wants us to do. But, you know, we did it, and God did what he said he would do. And now we've we've left everything multiple times and did what God wanted us to do. When when our home was in, in the Kansas City area, Kansas, we, we had lived there for nearly 30 years. My children had grown up there. My grandchildren at that time, uh, the only grandchildren I had, were born there. Amen. I, I, I had worked and cultivated a reputation in that town, in that county, in that city. Amen. Everywhere, everywhere you went, people talked about faith builders, and it was, it was stellar. Because we'd worked hard to do that. I was there forever. When God asked us to leave Tennessee, we just moved and, and went. And I was, there, I was there forever. You know, I'm, I'm, that song they wrote about a traveling man, that's not me. I'm not a traveling man. All right? But the, the point that I'm making is I begin to feel God say, I need, I need you to make your home in Little Rock, and I need you to go do this for me. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, I'd like to say I was like Abraham, and the next morning I got up and saddled my donkey and took off. I did not. All right, And I'd also like to say I was wanting to make sure it was God. I know God's voice. I knew it was God the moment He said it. I drugged my feet. But here, here's, the, here's the point that I'm making. Here's the point that I'm making. When we made that decision, God knew something was coming on the world that we didn't know was coming on the world. And He had to have us in the position to be right in the middle of His will. Hallelujah. There were people that didn't understand that. There were people that didn't understand why we were splitting time between the two locations. There were people that had promised me that God had brought them to that church and that they were there forever. And when we started splitting time, they left. Left the church. Because because they didn't understand. Everybody's not going to understand what God tells you. But if if you try... To make other people comfortable with what God told you. You can miss out on what God told you. Everybody's not going to understand. Glory to God. I had people say, why why they got to go there? Why they got to go so far away? It's real simple. Because God said. God said. Amen. Do you see this? And when you have that mindset. I'm going to do what God said. God will always do what He said. And you know, because of that, in the in the what the last two years, you know, there are ministries that went under. Not just struggled, or they don't exist anymore. And over the last two years, this ministry has had the best financial increase we've ever had. Now, why? Because we were where God said to be. Glory to God. God. Genesis 15. I told you we'd get there. The covenant that God made with Abraham is the basis for our relationship with God. And most of the promises that you find throughout the word of God, find their genesis in this covenant. And Genesis 15.1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I'm your shield, and your exceeding great reward, I'm your shield, and your exceeding great reward. Now that word shield, it's it's a, it refers to a small shield, a buckler, and figuratively, it's a protector. So God says to Abram here, I am your protector, and I am your exceeding great reward, or your reward for obedience will be great. One translation says, your reward for loyalty and trust will be immense. So our part of the covenant, again, is faith and obedience. So notice he says to Abraham, he says, or to Abram, he says, I am your shield. So there again, he uses that name, I am. All encompassing. You fill in the blank, and then he fills in the blank. I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. And so God sets himself here in the position of protector for his covenant people. Glory to God. And it's tied to the obedience, to the faith and to the obedience. Genesis 12, verse 9. It says, And Abram journeyed going on still towards the south, and there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. And it came to pass, when he was come near to to enter into Egypt, he said unto Sarai his wife, Behold, I know you're a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass, when the Egyptians see me, they will say, This is his wife, and they'll kill me. Oh, she must have been some kind of looker. But they will save you alive. Say, I pray thee, you're my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake, and my soul will live because of you. And it came to pass when Abram was come into Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman, that she was very fair. The princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. Now, I want you to see something. Abraham was sincere. When the Bible talks to Abraham, God said, walk before me and be perfect. The word is sincere, upright. Abraham was sincere. Abraham loved God. Yet Abraham could miss it. Abraham could sin. He wasn't perfect. He was committed to God, and he loved God. When Abraham, What Abraham asked Sarah to do, here's the problem with this. I've heard people say, well, you know, it really wasn't a lie because she was his half-sister. Here's the problem with this. What Abraham asked Sarah to do was true in words, but it was still deception. They were still deceiving. Right? It was still deception. But notice something. Verse 17. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife that word plagued it means to touch to strike to reach in other words the judgment of God reached out and touched his house when Pharaoh touched Abraham and Sarah even unknowingly notice something God acted to protect them why because he had promised I'm your shield see God is faithful amen in uh, Genesis 20, verse 17, I'm sorry, verse 1, and Abram journeyed, Abraham journeyed thence towards the south country, and rode between Kadesh and Shur, and sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she's my sister. Again? <laughs> and Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said, Behold, you are a dead man. For the woman that you have taken, she is a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near, and he said, Lord, will you slay a righteous nation? Said he not unto me, She's my sister. And she even herself said, He is my brother. In the integrity of my heart, in the integrity of my heart and innocency of my hands have I done this. And look, God said unto him in a dream, I know you did this in the integrity of your heart, for I also withheld you from sinning against, now notice something, me. I withheld you from sinning against me, not against Abraham, not against Sarah, now, now, why? Because what's at stake here? The covenant. God's covenant is at stake. Not just with Abraham and Sarah, with you and me. That this is the line, the seed, that the promised seed is going to come through. Here's, here's what I'm saying. Abraham loved God, but he wasn't thinking about the promise God made. He was only thinking about the situation he was in. When your thoughts get over on the circumstance and the situation, you can forget the covenant that you have with God. Amen. Amen. Oh, glory. Therefore, I suffered you not to touch her. Well, this is God being Abraham's shield, his protector. Abimelech had no way of knowing that Sarah was Abraham's wife. His actions were honest. Abraham's were not. But God intervened in the situation not because of Abraham's actions but in spite of them. Aren't you glad? Amen. Notice and 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 notice something. I want you to see something. Uh in uh Verse 12, he's talking to Abimelech, and he said, Yet indeed she is my sister, she's the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. And it came to pass, when God caused me to wander from my father's house, that's Genesis 12, 1. Yeah. So we're in Genesis 20. It's quite, a, quite a bit of time has elapsed. In that first situation where we talked about in Genesis 15, Sarah was about 65 years of age. Now she's about 90. So nearly 30 years have elapsed. And notice what he said. It came to pass when God caused me to wander from my father's house, I said to her, this is the kindness that you shall show unto me. At every place where you shall come, say of me, he's my brother. So they've been saying this everywhere for almost 30 years. Not just once, not just twice, all the time. This is a man that God has a covenant with. Now, I'm not running Abraham down. He's the father of our faith. All right? You don't become the father of faith for nothing. He believed God. He trusted God. But notice, I want you to see. He trusted God. He believed God. But there were still issues. There were still things that he was dealing with. There were still areas where God shows this covenant is not based on your perfection. It's based on my perfection. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So God intervened. The covenant was not based on the perfection of the one receiving the covenant, but on the perfection of the one initiating the covenant. God initiated the covenant. He said nine times in Genesis 17, this is my covenant. My covenant I've made with you. My covenant I will not break. He said in the book of Psalms, he said, My covenant will I not break, and I will not alter the thing that's gone out of my mouth. Amen. Nine times he said it was my covenant. So the covenant that God made with Abraham was stronger than Abraham's mistakes. The covenant that you have with God. See, there's where you say, I have a covenant. The covenant that you have with God is stronger than mistakes. Amen. It's stronger than anything you can face because it's a covenant that God made. Amen. It's not, it's not trying to justify mistakes. It's that you've got to understand that I'm a human being. I can make mistakes. And the covenant that I have with God is not so flimsy and not so weak and not so transitory that if I make a mistake, it goes away. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God said about David. Do you remember, you remember David? God said about David. And you know David made some mistakes in his life. But the Bible says, according to what God said, He said, my covenant will not depart from the house of David. Even though David made mistakes, what was David willing to do? Repent. Get it right with God. Make it right. The thing that keeps you where you need to be with God is the fact that you know God and you know who He is. And when you make a mistake, you repent. You get it right with God. And God considers it gone. God considers it that it never existed. The covenant is not broken. You still got God on your side. Glory to God. Amen. Do you see that? Oh, hallelujah. Aren't you glad? Amen. Give up is not in your vocabulary. Yeah, but you don't know what I've done. Listen, you don't know what anybody sitting around you have done. You don't know what the person in front of you, behind you, beside you, you don't know what I've done. You don't know the mistakes I've made in my life over the last number of years serving God. But here's what I know. God said if you will repent. God said if you'll make it right. He said my covenant I will not break. I won't alter the thing that's gone out of my mouth. What I have said I will do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I just feel like I failed God. You have. We all have. Everybody has. Everybody's failed God. Everybody's missed it. But God's never failed us. And God's never missed it where we're concerned. God's perfect. He can't fail us. Amen. I've had people tell me they're mad at God, and I want to go, that's stupid. That's just the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. That you would be mad at God. He's the answer. I said, He's the answer. He's the one that does nothing wrong. He's the one that never makes a mistake. Glory to God. And see, that's why you got to know His character. Because I've had people say, somebody would die young. Or somebody, you know, a child would die. Or a young person would die. And I've heard preachers make this statement to families. Well, you know, God doesn't make any mistakes. Well, what they were saying without saying it was God killed your loved one. If you don't know God's character, you'll buy into that. God's character is He's a life giver. He is merciful. He is a protector. He is a healer. That's what He does. Amen. Amen. There, 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 were, there was a, a man during the days of the voice of healing. One of his most popular messages. And he saw people healed by the scores. If I said his name, you'd know it. He, he saw people healed by the scores. And one of his most famous messages was God is a killer. And he'd preach God as a killer to people. And they'd get, they'd, get, they'd get healed by the scores over a message that had no biblical basis. Why did God heal people? After a message of doubt and unbelief. Because He's a healer. And He heals people based on their faith. Not based on what the pastor or the preacher says in the pulpit. God, you can go to a church of stark unbelief and find the Word of God on healing and somehow start believing it and God will heal you in that cesspool of doubt. Because God's a healer. And He's our covenant healer. And He can't lie. And He said, I'm the Lord that heals you. I'm the Lord that will take sickness from your midst. I'm the Lord that will keep it away from you. I'm the, I'm the faithful God. That's what I'll do. Glory to God. So what God said is what God will do. God didn't say, Abraham, I'll be your shield if you never make a mistake. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Exodus chapter 2. Let's look here. Am I helping you? Oh, glory to God. That's why you've got to know what God said about himself. You've got to know what God said about himself. Oh, glory. Oh, glory. I I was in a church one time, ministering in a church. And uh, I'd been invited by a guy. He had he'd been at a revival that I was holding. Now I was never an evangelist, but in between the time that, that I began pastoring, uh, that's what I knew to do was travel and preach. So I'd, I'd work throughout the week and travel on the weekends. And uh, uh, I was preaching in a church one time. He had invited me to, to preach, and uh, he knew me from uh, the, the first revival I held at uh, the church there. Uh, came with Chet Petty. Uh, but the, I, I forget this guy's name. He pastors the church over there off of Seven Highway. The one up on the hill had the outhouse inside. Yeah. No, yeah, had an outhouse inside. Had a porta potty inside. They, they had built a little deal and they put a porta potty in there. They didn't plumb the church. That that was where the bathroom was. And when you walked in that church, you knew you were there. There was a porta potty there. <laughs> Why'd you preach there? Because I didn't know they had a porta potty there. But it's too late. But I was, I, so I should have known something. I was preaching there, and after the service, I had preached on the goodness of God. Because you can't preach on the badness of God because there is none. And so I was preaching, and the pastor, we were on the platform, and he began to make his case for the badness of God. And he pointed to his son. His son was over 40 years of age, 42, I think. And when he was born, he had been deprived of oxygen for an extended period of time. And and was never mentally uh, uh, right. And was pretty much helpless. And he began to cry. And he pointed at his son. And he said, you see my son? I said, yep. He said, "Uh, he's that way. Because God did that to him because I wouldn't serve God. I drug my feet so God almost killed my child and told me I could have killed him. I have people say, what would you say? I said, that's not right. Because the, because the Bible says very plainly that God will not hold the child responsible for the sins of the father. It says God will not judge the child for what the father did. Now, I'm telling you this for a reason. You got to know what God said about himself. The Bible says God quickens the dead. Hallelujah. So, Exodus 2, verse 23. And it came to pass in process of time, the king of Egypt died. The children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. And they cried, and their cry came up to God by reason of their bondage. And God heard their groaning. And God, notice, God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them, or God knew them. All right, it's... It's the word yada in the Hebrew. It's God, God entered into intimacy with them. God once again came near. Now, there's an old preacher preaching one time, and he made the statement. He was talking about a, a couple that had been married for about 30 years. And one day the wife told the husband, she said, you know, when we used to ride down the road in the car, said, uh, you know, people would see us coming, and they didn't know if there was one person or two people in the car. We were sitting so close. And now, you know, you, uh, 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 we, we don't even sit close anymore. And uh, the husband said, well, honey. He said, uh, I understand what you're saying. He said, but let's look at this. He said, uh, I'm still driving the car. I haven't moved. If anybody moved, you moved. I'm, I'm saying this. God did not abandon the children of Israel. they went away from God. God cannot break covenant. Man breaks covenant, not God. God That's why the Bible says God hates lying, because it breaks covenant. Hallelujah. So Abraham's dependents, notice descendants, excuse me. Went into bondage just as God said they would. He said in Genesis 15, 13 through 14. He said, know of a surety that your descendants will go into bondage. And they'll be there for 400 years. But God promised Abraham at the end in verse 14. He said, I will judge that nation and bring your people out. Oh, glory. And so here they are. And they're sighing by reason of their bondage. There's nothing that says they were crying out to God. But they were crying out, the bondage is great, and God remembers His covenant. Oh, glory to God. Do you see this? And He brought them out based on the covenant He made with Abraham, not based on their merit. Not based on their dedication to Him. Based on the covenant He made with Abraham. Glory to God. Look at Psalm 78. Let's look at a few verses here. Psalm 78, verse 5. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God but keep his commandments and might not be as their fathers. Now notice, Psalm 78 is talking about the generation, uh, verses 5 through uh, 7, that's the generation in the in the wilderness. Verse uh, 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 8 begins to talk about the children that are born after that generation. They might not be as their fathers, a stubborn, rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart right, whose spirit was not steadfast with God. Notice verse 10. They kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in His law. They didn't keep the covenant. Who didn't keep the covenant? They didn't keep the covenant. God kept the covenant. They didn't keep the covenant. God came down because of the covenant and not only did He deliver them, He judged the nation that would not let them go. What what did he tell Abraham? He said them that bless you I will bless and those that curse you I will curse. See that's where you have a covenant and that still stands. Isaiah Isaiah expands on it and he says no weapon that's formed against you will prosper. Why is that? Because I have a covenant that says God will bless them that bless me and those that curse me will be cursed. Amen. Amen. You have the covenant. Amen. Glory to God. God cannot break covenant. He cannot lie. God never turned His back on His people. They turned their back on Him. Notice seven, you're there in chapter 78, verse 40. How often... Did they provoke him in the wilderness? That word provoke is rebel against him. They were not faithful to God. Amen. I I see a lot of people that struggle in the things of God. And here's why. They're not faithful. I'm not just talking about faithful to come to church. You know, your church attendance is just evidence of your love for God. It's just evident, and, and I'm not talking about how many times you come to church. I'm talking about that you come and you assemble yourself together. That's evidence that you believe what God said. Faithfulness is not just showing up. You can be sitting in here today and be hopelessly unfaithful because faithfulness is that part of your heart where, where you are committed, you are dedicated to that thing, that person. Amen. A faithful spouse is faithful in action, in words, in thoughts. Amen. If you think ugly about your spouse, you're not faithful. You're unfaithful. Why? Because you've got to corral that. Amen. Unfaithful thoughts lead to unfaithful actions. Amen. Uh, affairs don't occur without thoughts about affairs. Because you'll be presented with a thought. And then you'll be presented with an opportunity. And then you got to decide if you take the action. Well, it's the same way with the covenant. You will be presented with a thought to doubt God. Then you'll be presented with an opportunity to doubt God. And then you, if you're not careful, you'll take the action to doubt God. All of these people in the wilderness saw God do what He promised in the nation of Egypt. God judged that nation And brought them out. And Psalm 105 says he brought them out with great substance. And there was not one feeble person among them. So some estimates are three and one half million people came out of Egypt. And you could not find one limping, one sick, one crippled person among three and a half million. And you know they weren't all teenagers. Young folk, old folk, middle-aged folk, they all came out. And not one of them was sick. Why? Because that's what God promised. He said, I'll bring them out with great substance. And then when he talked to Moses, he told him how to get that great substance. Go borrow from the Egyptians. Isn't that amazing? And the Egyptian people were so ready to get rid of them, they sowed into their departure. Glory to God. This this is so important. They provoked Him. They rebelled against Him in the wilderness. And they grieved Him in the desert. Yes, they turned. They, notice, they turned back. People will make statements, I just feel abandoned by God. Mm -mm, mm -mm. If you feel abandoned by God, look which direction you're going. Chances are you're not going the same direction he was going. Because they turned their back. Is that right? They turned back and tempted God. And we could say this. And they limited the Holy One of Israel. They did it. Who did it? They did it. See, I have a covenant with God. God has made promises that he cannot break. Amen. They turned back. See, what happens in the era of no-fault religion that we live in is nothing can be your fault. Right? Because God loves you so much, I mean, we're under grace, so nothing can be your fault. God doesn't hold you responsible for anything. Well, the problem is that's a lie. We are under grace. That's why we have the opportunity to repent. That's why we have the opportunity to keep things right. We are under grace, thank God. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. If things aren't working, don't look at the perfect God who cannot lie and made a promise about it. Look over here. Have I turned? Am I still doing what I was doing? Amen. Amen. Everything he did for Israel, he did based on the covenant he made with Abraham. And notice, they did not remember the covenant. They turned back. We would say they backslid. Amen. Over and over, the Bible says that Israel would backslide and repent. Remember he said in the Old Testament, he said, Israel, you're like a backsliding heifer. Amen. In in other words, carried the idea of a calf on a slippery slope, trying to get up the slope and falling down, sliding back. He said, that's how you are. God would allow them to be taken captive. They would go into bondage. But he would always say, after so many years, I'll bring you out. Why? Because he had a covenant with them. He couldn't let them go into bondage and be destroyed. He had a covenant with them. So there was always a remnant. There was always a remnant in that group of people that would turn to God. I hear people talking about the remnant church. But there is no remnant church. The remnant is referring to the people of Israel. I read, I read you that on Wednesday night. He said the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance in reference to the people of Israel that have been elected and brought into this covenant and those of us that were brought into the covenant by faith. He said where Israel is concerned, that there's always been a remnant. There will always be people that will turn to God. When when, when Elijah Elijah was praying and said, God, I'm by myself. He said, no, 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 no. I've I've got several hundred that haven't bowed their knee to Baal. And, and Paul referenced that in Romans. He said there's always been a remnant. Every group of people that went into bondage, there was always a remnant that would turn to God. And based on that small percentage, God would hear the cry of His people and remember His covenant and deliver them. People say America is going down the drain. We don't have any hope. I disagree. And the reason I disagree is there are covenant people in this nation. And God still hears us and God will still respond. Glory to God. Do you see that? Daniel knew by reading what Jeremiah had written that God said the bondage will be 70 years. Around Daniel chapter 9, it said Daniel understood by, by books that the Lord would accomplish 70 years of captivity. And, and the Bible says he began to set himself to pray and to seek God. And God began to reveal to him when he was going to deliver the people. But God had let them go into bondage and he said, and it will be 70 years. Now 70 years may seem like a long time, but it's, it's the covenant. I'm going to bring you out. You can mark it down. And I promise you, it was not a day over 70 years. It was not a minute over 70 years. It was right at 70 years. God brought his people out. What will God do for you? Exactly what he promised. When will he do it? Exactly when he said. Amen. Look at at Deuteronomy 7. Deuteronomy 7. Am I helping you today? This is is crucial. Deuteronomy 7 verse 8. But because the Lord loved you. And because he would keep the oath or the covenant. That he swore to your fathers. He brought you out with a mighty hand. And redeemed you from the house of bondmen. From the hand of Pharaoh king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God. He is God. And notice. The faithful God. That keeps covenant and mercy with them that love Him and keep His commandments to a thousand generations. God called Himself the faithful God. That's how how God... See, you believe what God said about Himself. God said, I'm faithful. Amen. I'm faithful. It's His nature to be absolutely committed to what He promised. It's his nature to be absolutely committed to those he promised it to. We would call it loyalty. God's loyal. When God makes a promise, he's loyal to it. Glory to God. You know, that's something something we don't see nowadays is loyalty, faithfulness, fidelity. Right? If, 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 if the situation changes and it would serve a person better to not be faithful, they'll just not be faithful. Amen. God's not that way. He's faithful. And He said that about Himself. And notice how long He's faithful. To a thousand generations. A generation at minimum is 40 years. So you got a 40,000 year covenant with God. And He promised He'd be faithful to that. Amen. Our part is to meet the com- that commitment of God with faith and obedience. Notice 2 Timothy 2. Glory to God. See, God responds to faithfulness with faithfulness. You will never be let down when you're faithful to God. Oh, hallelujah. Do do, do you see that? You'll never be let down when you're faithful to God. I remember, I remember when uh, Pastor Michelle and I, we had not been married a long time. And uh, uh, we, uh, she was pregnant with our first child. And... uh, uh, she went to have a a a, a, a checkup and, and an ultrasound, and the doctor said uh, the baby has died. And I was working I was working for my brother in law actually at that time, and uh, she called me and I knew something was wrong. And she said, uh, 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 "I need you to come uh, to the hospital." And and this was way out uh, from where we were living. And, uh, and she explained to me what was going on. Well, I remember, I remember standing in that shop on the phone and just this, this wash of anger came over me. And I realized in a moment, now wait a minute, I'm mad at God. I realized that. And I, and I hung up the phone, didn't say anything. I told people what I needed to go and, and, I, and I went. And I drove and all the way to the hospital, I had time to think. And I got there. And it didn't help, I walked into that room, and there's my wife. They had just basically put her in the hallway, you know, with a sheet over her, like, no big deal. She just lost a child, but it's like, she's got a headache. I mean, I don't remember anybody telling us goodbye, have a good day, nothing. And we got in the car, and, you know, what do you say? I don't know what to say. I've So we, we basically drove home in silence, and, and I got home, and, and we, we went up to the apartment we were living in, and, and we'd been there a few minutes, and the phone rang, and it was our pastor. Now, my, our pastor at the time was my dad, and he didn't do anything wrong. He, he, but, you know, he made the statement. He said, he made this statement. He did not say God did it, but he said to me, he said, we don't know why God allows these things. Now you got to realize the theology. My my dad was raised under. He was raised under a uh, uh, very very well. My dad was my dad was raised oneness. All right. I was raised oneness. And people say, "Are you oneness now?" Yeah, I believe there's one God, but He eternally exists in three people. So, uh, but the 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 point is, I baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Y'all know that, okay? But here's here's the point. That's how I was raised, and and that's a very legalistic, very very austere stern uh religious process god's responsible for everything god is sovereign and he'll knock you in the head if you do him wrong and uh and and so he was coming out of that but here's my point when i hung up the phone i thought now i've got a choice here because If God did this or allowed it, I got a problem with that. You see what I'm saying? Well, Pastor, you should have just been in like Job. And what, and just blame God for everything? I went in, I took my wife's hand. She was laying in bed. I went in, took her hand, and I said, I don't understand this. I said, but I'm going to get in the Word, and I'm going to find out. That's what I can promise you. And, and I know I'd read the verse, but I, I went out, and I, I just began to seek the Lord, and I, I turned to John chapter 10, and it's all verse 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Settled it for me. Okay, you didn't do it. You came to give me life. Now, where did I miss it? And he showed me where I missed it. He showed me where I missed it. You understand why I'm saying that? Because, because you in, in that moment, I had a choice. Am I going to stay faithful to God? See, because to blame him for that would have been unfaithful. That would have been accusing God of something that he does not have the capacity to do. Amen. God's not taking innocent life. Glory to God. Because I have a covenant with him. I'm a believer. I have a covenant with him. He said in his word that because of the covenant, there would be no miscarriage. So that means that's his, that's his desire. But see, I got to take that and put that in my mouth. I got to take that and believe that. Glory to God. Amen. First 1 Timothy 2, 2 Timothy 2 and verse 13. If we believe not, he abides faithful. He cannot deny himself. The Wu's translation says, if we are unfaithful, that one, God, remains faithful. For to deny himself, he is not able. God is not able to deny himself. In other words, when he puts something out there, he can't change it. He's not able to not do it. Glory to God. Our part is to remain faithful to God and what He said. If I believe what He said, he cannot, He is not able to deny himself. He will do it. My part is faith and obedience. Glory to God. Look at uh, uh, Mark chapter nine. We'll be done in a few mo- few minutes. See, this this is so important. I I have to remain faithful to Him. Remember what it said in Psalm 78? They were not faithful to God. God brought them out. God gave them water out of a rock. God fed them with angels' food. At, at, At one point, quail flew one foot off the ground. In such proportions that some evidences are, some estimates are, that the person that received the least, it was six 50-gallon drums full. That was the least. That was the, the low end. God did that. God discomfited kings. God drove their enemies out. Hallelujah. And what they do? They weren't faithful to Him. I said they weren't faithful to him. When you hit a situation, you you run to the faithfulness of God. You stay faithful to what God said. You don't look for a way out. Oh, hallelujah. Do, Do you see that? I know ministers that should be preaching today, but they wouldn't be faithful. They wouldn't do what God said. They wouldn't just take it and go with it. Amen. You've got, you got to be faithful. If God's asking you to do something, He sees something in you that you may not see in yourself. But if you'll stay faithful to Him, He'll work what He sees in you. That's why the Bible says God is the one that works in you to will and to do of His good pleasure. He sees what he wants to do, and he will work in you to make it happen. Oh, glory to God. And and what is it? He can't deny himself. That's who he is. He's working right now in you to give you a willingness and a desire to do what he's asked you to do. Amen. That's why it's important that you're interested. I'm interested in what God has to say. I'm interested in the things that you're saying to me. I am less and less interested in the things of this world. I could care less what's going on in this world. I don't have time to devote myself to that when I've got spiritual things that God wants me to be interested in. Things that God wants me to be ahead of. There are things that we've missed because we prayed and got ahead of them and were ready for them to happen before they ever occurred. What is that evidence of? The faithful God taking care of His people. Amen. Amen. When you get behind in prayer and you get behind in your prayer life and you get behind in seeking God the way that you ought to seek God, things start to inch up on you. Situations and circumstances begin to take you by surprise. When you're praying in the Holy Ghost and you're praying the Word of God and you're seeking God the way that we know we should, we stay out ahead of things and we're never behind. We're always ahead and we're always prepared. That's part of staying faithful to God. Glory to Jesus. Mark chapter 9, verse 17. One of a multitude answered and said, Master, I brought unto you my son. That has a dumb spirit. And wherever he takes him, he teareth him. And he foameth and gnashes with his teeth, pineth away. I spake to your disciples that they should cast him out. And they could not. Now, the bottom line is the disciples failed to exercise their faith in what Jesus had told them. He said, go cast out devils. I give you power and authority over uh, demons and unclean spirits. Is that right? He had given them power to cast out devils so they could have. The man said they couldn't. And evidently they couldn't. Not because they couldn't, because they wouldn't believe. Because Jesus upbraided them in the next verse for their unbelief. He called him a faithless generation. But notice verse 20. And they brought him to him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, he fell on the ground wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, how long ago is it since this came unto him? He said, of a child. It cast him into the fire, into the waters to destroy him. Now notice, if you can do anything, have compassion on us. Have mercy on us. Compassion is, is mercy is the compassion of God in action. If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Mm. If you can do anything. So the man said, your disciples couldn't help us. Notice, if you can, help us. Jesus said, verse 23, if you can believe all things are possible to him that believeth. Now, very often that's taken in this context. Well, you know, if you can believe, all things are possible. Well, when you look at that a little further in, in the Greek and other, other translations, the Wuss Bible says, Jesus said to him, As for these words of yours, if you are able. See, now wait. See, he had just encountered a group that wasn't able. And so the next words out of his mouth was, They're not able if you're able. See, he's questioning the ability of Jesus based on the ability of the disciples. You got to believe what God said about himself and believe the Bible is a covenant book because you don't base what God will do in your life based on what he didn't do in somebody else's life. Because people say, well, God didn't do that for me. Huh. Wonder why? It wasn't because he decided not to. Do, do, do you see this? Why did God heal that person and not heal that person? Why did God prosper that person and not prosper that person? If you ask that question, you'll come to the understanding of that. You, you, you'll start thinking God has some kind of hierarchy and that He chooses who He blesses and chooses who he don't bless. The promises, the Bible says, are sure to everybody. It's, it's what I believe. Now notice, Jesus is saying to this man and to us that he will always do what he has said. And notice how the man responded. Lord, I believe. Hallelujah. That's how. See, Lord, I believe. So in other words, Jesus said, all things are possible to one that will believe. And instantly the man saw it. That's it. It's, It's on me. Lord, I believe. It's not the disciples. It's not you. It's me. And I believe. When you believe what God said, you get what God said. That's my part, is to believe God. To believe God. Notice, I'll close with this. When Paul was on the ship, that was in the middle of the, the typhoon. And it said that he had, he, they'd had a long ab- abstinence of food. They'd been fasting and, and praying. And the angel of the Lord appeared to Paul and said, Fear not, Paul. you got to stand before Caesar. And he said, I've, gi- I've given you, I've given you the lives of everybody on this ship. And he said, No man will lose their life, but, but the ship will go under, and you'll lose the product. Amen. And Paul went up on that deck and everybody was was worried and everybody was was freaking out. And Paul, Paul stood up and he said, hey, 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 listen to me now. You should have listened to me and not left, right? But he said, there stood by me this night the angel of the Lord. Is that what he said? Who said unto me, fear not, Paul, I have given you the lives of every man on this ship. And there'll be no loss of any man's life, just of the lading of the ship and the goods. Boy, that's a good message right there. But then he said this. Now watch. He said this while the wind's still blowing. He said this while they're still in trouble. Wherefore, sirs, I believe God. I know the wind's still blowing. I know we're still in in, in, in rocky water. I know what I see, but I believe God that it will be to me just as he said. I'm telling you, when you don't know what else to do, you just stand up in the middle of your house and you say, Look, I believe God that it will be to me just as he said. Rather, it's about your healing, your finances, your children, your future. I'm telling you I keep coming back to this there are people in the sound of my voice you feel lost you feel like God's done you feel like God has changed his mind no God has not changed his mind you got to be faithful to him and he will be faithful to you your future is just as secure as it's ever been your calling is still sure your anointing is still available God still has a plan for your life wherefore sirs I believe God I believe God. Amen. Isn't that good news? Shh. Glory to God. That's good news. That's good news. Ha. That's why we're going to tell it everywhere we go. He's sweet. Oh, glory to God.